Welcome to the Fantasy NASCAR Podcast. This is Friday morning. I am doing Xfinity research. This might not be a very good podcast because I'm simply just going to go over things that I'm looking into and talking out loud. Maybe there'll be some picks worked in. Maybe I'll discover something. Maybe I won't discover anything at all, which is quite possible, but I most assuredly will bore you. So this might be a podcast that you want to skip. So thanks for tuning in. I'll see you next time. But if you want to stick around, cool. Like, subscribe, share, Spotify, Apple, Amazon, wherever you listen, or on YouTube. As always, racefortheprize.com. That's where you can get access to the spreadsheets and the notes that I'm getting ready to go over. If you click on this Brandon Cruz DFS button, that'll take you to patreon.com slash Brandon Cruz DFS. And you can support me, you can support Brandon, and you can gain access to all of this work. And if you're feeling real funky, you can always go to my blog, theconstrainedvision.com. My short stories book is halfway through. I don't know if anyone will ever want to read it, but I don't care. Um, you can see that some of my essays, not my short stories, my essays have been published recently at Chalkboard Review. You can check that stuff out. But I'm enjoying doing it, and that's fun for me. Let's look at Phoenix. And one of the first things I want to go to, I'm not going to start out with this, is these guys that we're not very familiar with. Nick Sanchez, Parker, Retzlov. I don't have any data really in the spreadsheet because they haven't run a lot of, well, they haven't run any truck or cup or Xfinity series, which means two things. We're going to have to dive into racing reference and we will have to look at their um, ARCA experience and then try to get an idea of whether there's someone you can trust and then match that information up with what car they're in and get a better idea. Retzloff is in those BJ McLeod cars, which I talked about earlier. We've talked about this every single week. Brandon talked about this again in his YouTube channel. They have torn up a lot of race cars. And he's probably right. We need to go back and look at the Parsons wrecks and see, are they terminal? Are they really that bad? But the Matt Mills wreck was pretty gnarly. That was another case of the whiplash effect. He had hit so hard. You can see him in the video. Cruz pointed out the whiplash that Ricky Stenhouse suffered at Daytona, which Stenhouse, it's lucky he's still alive. It really is. You watch that Matt Mills video, that's pretty harsh. That PJ, BJ McLeod equipment scares me to death. We'll talk more about that. The Sieg equipment excites me for Parker Retzloff, so we'll have to look and see what he has done. We also want to see if either of these young drivers have any experience at flat tracks, flat short tracks, Mainly, do they have experience at Phoenix? If they do, that's going to be a boost. But we got to pump the brakes because if you're good in ARCA or even especially ARCA West, take that with a grain of salt. We've seen plenty of drivers run well in ARCA West and just be terrible. And we've seen plenty of drivers win championships in ARCA West like Derek Krause. Derek Krause is finally doing something in the truck series. But Kanan West, Todd Gilliland, where he was supposed to be the next greatest driver. Now he is hanging on. Uh, he is only relevant because of fantasy at the moment, which I believe he is very relevant in fantasy this weekend. Okay, so I want to go over those guys at some point, but the one thing that caught my eye or ear from Brandon's podcast was the reminder to himself to go back and watch the first Phoenix race over. I don't know if I'm going to go back and watch the first Phoenix race over. What I'll do is look at the lap-by-lap data and then go over my notes, because how many times can I watch that Phoenix race? I've got a pretty good idea. That idea could be wrong. 
That's the same way every week when I go into races. I've got a pretty good idea and a pretty strong memory of what happens in every single race. But remembering every single race for the last eight years is no small task. And getting them confused and misremembering or building and constructing some sort of stupid narrative in your head can happen easily. It's the best way is A, go back and watch the races over. So you don't always have time because you're always watching races. So that's why you lean on the notes. So I'm going to go to the notes for the first race. The second race, fresh in my mind, because I just watched that again recently. The first race, I recall there were a bunch of chaos and wrecks in the race. And you can simply look at the data and look at the results uh, and see that. When you see drivers in the last Phoenix race in the Xfinity series who get finishes that you really shouldn't expect. Wait for the sheet to load up. It's being slow. Like when you see, I mean, even Ty Gibbs finishing second is something that you wouldn't necessarily expect. But there are bigger stands. Like Timmy Hill finishing 14th, J.J. Yaley finishing 13th. But this is his hometown track. That's the narrative that I've built way too up too much that I don't think is necessarily all that real. What do you mean? He's from Phoenix, so he always races well in Phoenix. No, he doesn't. Look at the stats. Now, some of that has to do with he doesn't always have the best car. You, If you are a really old DFS OG in the Xfinity series. You remember a 2018 race where JJ Yaley about broke the slate because we were all fading JJ Yaley and he was out there leading laps, if I remember correctly. Uh, and then his engine expires and we'll dodge the bullet on that one. Anyway, is it a narrative or not? I don't know. Does he drive harder? I don't know. Uh, does he receive more support? That might have something to it. I will listen to that argument that I have made up on my own. It's funny how I drum these things up and then all of a sudden you start seeing them repeated on the internet over the last five years. You know, when I created that narrative, I didn't have a lot of evidence. And now we're five years removed and people are acting like it's gospel. You'll see it this week. You'll see the J.J. Yaley nailing. You know, I don't do anything. And I just keep promoting it, too, because it's an easy blurb to write in articles. I've already established it. People believe it. So I can just keep trotting it out there and no one questions it whatsoever. It's... It's very faith-based at this time. It's really wrong. I shouldn't do that. I shouldn't come out and say, hey, this J.J. Yaley thing that I started, probably not a thing. Does anyone actually talk to J.J. Yaley? Does anyone have any hard evidence? An interview with J.J. Yaley where he has revealed that he runs harder at Phoenix. Does anyone have, I, mean, I don't even know how strong his ties are to Phoenix. Do you? Like, well, Take me out of this equation. Is there a J.J. Yaley narrative? I've heard, yeah, you've had to have heard it before. Okay, well, where's the evidence of this? Other than stuff that I've published and podcasts that you've listened to and tweets that you've read, can you find me any specific interview or information that reveals that, yeah, he's going to always run better at Phoenix? I don't think it's out there. Which means we probably should stop talking about it. But your takeaway from this moment right here in this podcast is probably going to be, like, I played DJ Yaley this week. He's back, he's back in Phoenix. God help us. Anyway, Yaley and Timmy Hill finishing. that, So that reveals to you right there. Something crazy, quirky had to happen. And then you can also look at the average finish versus their average running position versus their finish. And so, again, Tyler Ty Gibbs was ninth in terms of average finish. Average running position, but he finishes second. Uh, average rank, if we were just to rank this in kind of like we rank driver rating, uh, it's seventh. So he finished five spots better than really what he was. Riley Herbst, eight spots better than what he was. Bailey Curry, 
15. So, so then I haven't watched the race, but I have looked at this and I know, okay, had to be pretty crazy at the end. It was. I remember how crazy it was at the end. So I can do that and then I can look at the lap by lap data and then I can also look at the notes, which I will do in a second. But the next step that I want to do, just to kind of get a really good picture, so I've created a copy of the lap by lap data. I knew that was going to happen. I just got to move this picture around. So what I want to do is before the chaos unfolds in stage three, I'd like to see where people are running. I think this is an interesting idea. We know that it goes, hits the fan. Bailey Curry gets a top five. Well, so that's not really going to tell us much because we can't predict who's going to survive the wrecks. But what about before it hit the fan? Where were people running? Maybe that's a data point that we can trust. Maybe those are some people that we might think about targeting. Or maybe it's just going to be fun to look at, you know, and see what exactly happens. So this is, we'll go to, let's hide that. This is my copy sheet. It is good. And I want to go to before we get all of the wrecks. And if you go to racing reference, you can see that in stage three, into stage two, we run 26 laps to start stage three, and then it's wreck, 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 wreck. You did get a 21-lap green flag run there somehow by the grace of God, but one, two, three, four, five, six wrecks in stage three. It's a lot of lucky dogs. It's a lot of wave arounds, and that is chaos, my friends, and that's a lot of cars getting taken out. Even though uh, we don't see a lot of red crash stuff on your screen, you will notice that well, 25 cars finished on the lead lap because that's wave around city. But these are decent cars. Gregson, Annette, Sieg, Barry, Brandon Jones, Justin Haley. Let's see. Oh, man, there's that Whataburger. <laughs> Remember that was a thing? You didn't create the Phoenix narrative for J.J. Yearly. Remember the Whataburger narrative? Where did that one come from? Where did looking up... Now, the other people took it to a different level. Where they're not only looking up uh, J.J. Yearly's Whataburger, but then they were analyzing his hand size. And I'm not from Texas, so I'm not familiar with Whataburger. I was... North Carolina, we have uh, five guys, which... Um, whatever. That's what I don't know. Whataburger. I've obviously never been to the West Coast and done the in and out, but that's the Texas thing. And we didn't, I don't know if they're small burgers or if David Starr has giant hands. So that was a whole another narrative to itself. And, but if he had the Whataburger, then he must be in a good race car. Welcome to Xfinity DFS. Fun times for everyone. Okay. Let's go to before the wrecks begin. Is it 125? Is going to be beginning of the chaos yeah all right so what we can see on the screen make this over a little bit so it shows better okay what you can see on the screen we'll look at where what i'm going to do is i'm going to sort it by where they were running before the s hit the f i should just cause and then we can see where they were afterwards so justin allgaier was leading this race on lap 124 and then after all of the series of cautions and madness and pit stops he ends up finishing eighth 
which is good because we like Austin. We like Justin Allgaier this week. We know that Austin Cinderick was typically better than him. But when you look at this, here it is, stage three. Hey, this is going to be Justin Allgaier's race. Maybe it's not going to be Austin Cinderick. Maybe there wasn't that much of a separation. Get you excited about rostering Justin Allgaier. We'll go through the lap notes and see if we can find any more information. Josh Berry was in third before the S hit the Just say the word, my man. Well, probably not going to do that. But that's good. That's exciting. That makes you want to roster Josh Berry. A.J. Allmendinger was running fourth, and he ends up finishing fifth. So he hangs on there and runs pretty well, it looks like, in stage three. But I don't think he ever is up front. 21% of his laps inside the top five. I believe most of those are going to come in the final stage. His average running position was 7.6. It's not bad. He was in the top ten all day. But I don't believe he led a lap. Did he lead a lap? I have it on here, but I don't want to fool around with it. All right, watch. Do, 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 do. Messing in the sheet. As always, raceforthepries.com. And you can go to patreon.com slash Brandon Cruz DFS. That would be great. And you could sign up to support this video. AJ did not lead a single lap. Justin Haley's in fifth, finishes 26. Haley's not in this race, but that's encouraging if you want to take a long shot on Landon Castle in a colored car. Haley, though, really good short tracker from Indiana. Typically runs well. Now, he struggled, actually, in the Xfinity Series at short tracks, but that is his background. We'll see. It's going to be a challenge for Castle. Probably Castle's biggest challenge yet, but you got to believe he's going to be practicing in high racing to get ready for this. Jeb Burton in the other colored car. Running seventh before Mayhem finishes sixth. Oh, I skipped Ty Gibbs. Ty Gibbs was right up there. He was in sixth. He ends up finishing second. And it looks like he gets most of this on this last restart. These restarts were chaotic. They were crazy. It's chaos. So congratulations to Ty Gibbs following up his DRC win with a second place at Phoenix. Brandon Jones was running eighth. He ends up finishing 33rd. Brandon Jones, a former winner in 2020 at this racetrack. So there, I mean, we're already seeing like a lot of, so not only are these really good cars being completely washed out of this race, which I would expect is going to be a possibility this weekend. If you've watched the first two races of the season, if you watch Fontana, if you watch Las Vegas, the, um, the Brats are back. The Xfinity series, these spoiled little kids are more disrespectful than ever. It's hard to really comprehend and i did not expect this we've seen in the past all these silver spoon kids and all these kids chasing the dream and trying to win every lap and do everything and make a name for themselves and you thought maybe possibly as these really truly rich kids filter out and it's just kind of kids that they may be a little bit more i don't know respectful and that has not been the case Maybe they are respectful and they all just lack talent. Maybe it's a little bit of all of that. Maybe the equipment aren't great. Maybe the talent level is low. Maybe they're disrespectful. Maybe they're too aggressive. Don't know. There's many variables at play. But the thing that we can look at is the outcome. And the outcome of both races has been a lot of torn up race cars, a lot of wrecks and carnage. And so it won't be surprising to see top tier drivers bust in fantasy lineups 
But also, when these guys bust, that's what through attrition opens the door for a Bailey Curry top five, a top 15 from Timmy Hill and J.J. Yaley. And if it happened last year, it sure can happen this year. Now, this is not the way that the race trended in the fall race. If I pull up the fall race, you're going to see that we have a long green flag run. I'll just do it on racing reference because it'll be easier to visualize. But you could do this through the lap, light lap data. But uh, the theory that I would like to posit then is the reason why you get, no, I don't want the next race. I want the next race at this track. I did next at this track, Phoenix. Oh, no, we did get a bunch of cautions at the end, didn't we? I was going to say, well, I don't think we'll get a bunch of cautions because it's the championship race and they're going to play it safe. No, that didn't happen. So, yeah, I imagine these lunatics are just going to wreck a bunch of cars. <laughs> yeah, you, you would think. But what am I thinking? Oh, yeah, they're just suddenly going to be respectful to the championship contenders. Even if they're trying to be respectful, they're going to wreck each other. They're going to bring out a caution. They simply cannot help themselves. RaceForThePrize.com. Be there or be square. Back to the notes. Let's look at some more of these drivers and their changes. Again, so that this there's not only you're going to lose some good drivers, and which you can't predict who that's going to be, but you're also going to want to focus in, hone in on maybe some of these pump plays that really have no business finishing. Bailey Curry's a good driver, but he has no business being in the top five. Timmy Hill in the car that he was driving. J.J. Yaley, they're fine drivers, but they have no business finishing inside the top 20. Unless, of course, the apocalypse happens, which it did happen. Riley Herbst goes from 10th to 4th. Harrison Burton, really nothing there, which is disappointing. you think he'd run better at this track. Sieg was in 11th on lap 124. Sieg then is not around anymore. Finishes 37th. Snyder stays where he is. I believe that's RCR equipment, which is 12th to 11th. Brandon Brown, 13th. He finishes third. He survives all of the mayhem and the chaos. And on the last restart, jumps from 10th to third. Makes a big jump, a big gain, very similar to Ty Gibbs. I'm assuming maybe they restarted in the same groove, followed each other to the front, whatever it was, on that last restart while chaos was ensuing. And there was plenty of it. I mean, if you actually go to Racing Reference and you look at some of these wrecks, it doesn't detail. Like it just says, there's actually another wreck that doesn't show up that happened on the last lap with uh, Stephen Parsons. But that, is in the racing notes, which we will go over in a second. I try to at least dab in, dabble, dabble, dab into, delve into. That's the word I'm looking for, you moron. Brett Moff at 14th to 9th. So if you're a spreadsheet warrior and just looking at average or looking at finishing position, you're going to get a really skewed version of what happened in this race. Moffitt was a 15th place driver. Look a little, little bit more at his data here and give a better idea. I'm looking at the wrong one. I'm fine. There we go. We'll just do it like this. Where's Moffat at? Um, he ran 72% of his laps inside the top 15, but only 11% inside the top 10. So his ninth place finish, absolutely misleading. It's close. But not a top 10 car. Yaley gets the strong finish. Yaley ran 39% inside the top 15, which is not bad at all. Looks like he turned it on stage three. I don't know. It must be that Phoenix narrative. Um, he ran well throughout all stage three. He worked his way up through stage two and stage one. Pretty solid race for Mr. Yaley. Let me 
see what equipment he was in. I believe it's probably in that Rick Ware car. If that's the Rick Ware car, then you might want to have, uh, and it was. So that's good equipment. That 17 for Rick Ware, much better than the 66 or the 13 that he's going to be in. So that finish is really not too much of an outlier now. Finishing 13th, a little bit better, but that car on a good day was capable of a 15th place finish. And it was in Phoenix, so, you know, you that going for him. Let's see. What car is he in this week? The 66 Remote Health Solutions for Carl Long. Mm, good luck with that. It's not going to be nearly the same ride. He will need chaos. And even with chaos, guys, he just finished 13th. That's all he has managed to pull off. Back to the laps. Now, I suspect that we're going to see more skewing here with uh, some of these other guys. Dana Hemrick was in 16th after all the wrecks. Made through a couple of them, but ends up in 25th. Last one takes him out on lap 198. Daniel Hemrick for JGR is in third place. Lap 199, he's in 25th place. That's interesting. And then you go to the fall race, and he goes from second or third, whatever it is, on the last restart and wins. So got both sides of it. Wrecked out and then gets the win. Pretty cool. Awesome. Great. Cool. Great story. I don't remember if he did a backflip or not. Don't really care. They seem to talk about that way too much. Jeremy Clements, 17th to 10th. Big boost. Jade Buford doesn't seem to get anything, but I think he was involved in one of these wrecks, if I recall. I'm pretty sure he was. Colby Howard, 19th, moves up to 16th. Not a bad day for the JD Motorsports car. Uh, even before the wrecks, that's pretty good to be running on the 20 side, which, though, we've seen the JD Motorsports cars do that. Jeffrey Earnhardt, though, consistently disappointed. Ryan Vargas, consistently disappointed. We have seen Bay of the Curry get in those cars and run well. Colby Howard has been one of the better JD Motorsports drivers. The other guys, uh, a little weaker in the JD Motorsports equipment and have let us down plenty of times in the past. Santino Ferrucci, if I recall correctly, I mentioned this in my podcast. I think he wrecked uh, Josh Berry at some point. He was running 20th. He's finishing 15th. Putting a little too much pressure on the computer right now. Not responding. Got the old spinner. Don't know if it's recording at all right now because my computer has frozen up. So we'll see what happens. I'm just going to keep talking and acting like something is working. But I really doubt that it is working. I'm afraid that it's going to crash and I've just wasted all this time. We'll see. We'll see what's going on. Not sure. Okay, maybe we're back. Maybe we never left. I don't know. Don't know. I'm glad I didn't do anything stupid during that moment. Maybe I did do something stupid and it cut out and you didn't see it. I don't know. Blaine Perkins. We're not going to talk about Blaine Perkins again. Blaine Perkins. Um, Tule. Is it Tule, Utah? Whatever it was. It's the road course. And he really didn't do anything. It was a not bad punt. All right, let's see some of these guys. You know, had big jumps. All right, I, I jumped over Bailey Curry. He went from a 21st place car to a 7th place car because of the carnage. We could see that again. Blaine Perkins doesn't go anywhere. Timmy Hill, 23rd, jumped up to 14th. Alex LeBay gets caught in the carnage. Tommy Joe Martins gets a couple spots. Landon Castle in the JD car. Doesn't really go anywhere. I imagine he was involved in some sort of issue earlier or at that time. So there's a JD Motorsports disappointment right there. David Starr gets caught up. 
Stephen Parsons still gets scored 18th, but I'm pretty sure he wrecked at the end of that race. Joe Graff gains a couple spots. Jeffrey Earnhardt gets 10 spots through all the carnage. JD Motorsports. Dexter Bean doesn't really go anywhere. I'm pretty sure he gets what well, he does. He wrecks. Greg Alling wrecks. Josh Williams gets up to 21st through all the carnage. He was running in 33rd. Ryan Vargas was running 34th. He doesn't go anywhere. Lori Hesemans wrecks. Kyle Weatherman taken out. Matt Mills doesn't make it. I just thought that would be interesting to look at. Quick review. Let's go over the notes, shall we? I'll need that extra sheet. All right. AJ not going to start. Mills engine gone. AJ running high. They smothered the track in PJ1. Gibbs not running in the juice. This is PJ1. Now they use resin, which the resin lasts longer. And so it lasts longer. It's not as... It lasts longer. It's not affected by heat as much. And it's not quite as sticky, though. So instead of like with the PJ1, it goes from being really sticky and then just completely vanishing. And also, sometimes it gets really slick. But it adds a lot and then none. Whereas the resin doesn't add a lot, but it adds enough and is always there. It's always something you can count on. And we have seen that in Phoenix. They just run in the resin the entire time. They don't have to change throughout the race, which they act like the resin is awesome. The, re- or the PJ, or the resin is so much better. Well, I mean, you step back and he kind of said, well, maybe I actually like the PJ1 because it forced them to change grips and it made the cha- drivers really adjust. Whereas the resin is just going to make that the preferred groove. All right. Jace, Jesse Little has issues in a BJ car. That's another BJ car right there having an issue. We know that that's a narrative going into this week. This season... Williams down two laps. He'll get those back with a bunch of wrecks later on. Carb issues. So that's another issue for, I think he's in Mario Gosselin. Haley says car's terrible. Not good for the uh, college guys. I'm running a completely different line than everyone else down here, says Justin Algar. I'm just trying to hold on to the right front as long as I can. I was definitely tight across the center. Hemrick gets stuck on the bottom. Greg's an aggressive up high on a restart. I would imagine that to happen again as well. And we could see, I think if you go back to 2020 in Phoenix, Gregson, very aggressive on restarts, gambling on pit road, gets out front and leads some laps, was un, uh, which we did not suspect. And I think going into this race, you might now expect him to possibly lead some laps and run some fast laps. Phoenix has not been a good track for Gregson, but pit road strategy, using his typical aggressive moves on restarts could lead to him getting out front. And if he happens to do that on a longer run, which there may be very few long runs, but if Gregson times it up correctly and ends up leading laps, he might not be the best driver. He may not lead the most laps. He may not run the most fast laps, but for whatever reason, the cycling of the race, good on restarts, there's definitely, and with the way pit road has been, there's definitely a high probability that he gets to lead laps. Now, if everyone is wrecking and there's tons of short runs and there's just one or two long runs and it just happens to be Gregson is the guy that's out front during that short run, he may not be the winner. He may not be a top five driver. He may not have a good car or have the talent at Phoenix at all. Doesn't matter. But if he just happens to be the guy that leads the laps for one or two of the long runs, then he's very likely going to be optimal. And I'm going to hone that in on Gregson because of his restarting ability. But to a lesser extent, you can say that for other drivers. You could say that for Brandon Jones. You could say, I don't want to say it for Riley Herbst, but for Daniel Hemrick, it doesn't matter. 
who happens to be that driver if if there aren't very many long runs. If there's several long runs, then I would expect the drivers that deserve to score points, the fastest drivers, to be in the optimal lineup. But if this race is broken up by a lot of cautions, and we don't have a lot of long runs, the guys that just happen to be up front during those long runs have a huge points advantage in DFS. And there's no guarantee that the guys that are going to be there for those specific long runs are going to be the best drivers. It could be A.J. Allmendinger that I don't expect to run very well, but maybe he just happens to be out front during the one long run. Something to look into. I'm not going to have time to read all these notes. Let me see if I just read some of the top bold things. Top eight hasn't changed. You can't pass with the PJ1. You can't pass with the resin. If the groove is on the outside, it's just so difficult to get around because you can't drive off. You really have to have a really good race car to work the bottom and it takes a long time, and it takes a long run, and it takes side drafting, and eventually you can probably slide up in front of a guy. But when you when they run the outside, and we kind of have seen this at Richmond in the last couple of years, which also has it's a short, flat track. When you get on the outside, that car on the outside just has to drive off, and they just stay in that lane, and it's very difficult. It's very challenging. They throw dirty air on you. Uh, when the groove was on the bottom – you had a little bit more ability to pass because you could take it to the outside and you could get that drive off. So it's one of the problems they've created with Vegas. You just got to deal with it. Not a lot of passing is track anymore. Hemrick leading, not the fastest, hard to pass the leader in the PJ1. I think you could say the same thing for Hemrick in the second race. There's a time where he is leading and it's hard to pass him, but also Austin Cedric's being very uh, passive, patient. Because he knows he doesn't need to lead in the middle of the race. Burton tries to pass, loses time. PJ1 makes his track race like a high downforce package. Drivers are penalized for trying to make passes. Yikes. Starting Park, traction compound has really hurt the racing at Phoenix. Yeah, that's a guy you should follow. It absolutely has. Um, Vargas into the wall, Barry in third. Everyone pits. Allgaier loses race off pit road. Sieg no tires. Oh, I remember this one now. I had some Sieg. Sieg takes no tires gambling. And what do you think happens when Sieg doesn't take tires? It's a Phoenix, okay? You got to get some tires, Ryan Sieg. Uh, Cindric to the lead and Sieg into the wall. I had plenty of Sieg in that race. And he was running well before that. Gambled. Killed me. But we've seen Sig do that plenty of times. We've seen him not take tires and so he could save a set of tires for later. Uh, it's worked sometimes. It's failed most of the times. Caution for Harrison Burton. Josh Berry pits loose wheel. Has to put on scuffed tires. Also gets a speeding penalty. That is a very big deal. And then he'll later get wrecked, I believe, by Santino Parucci. Uh, Allgaier in second. Chooses the bottom. Good luck with that. Sheeg down for the day because of his dumb tire call. Jones to second. takes Overtakes Allgaier because Allgaier decided to take that bottom groove. Uh, Hemrick looking better. Moffat spins. Like I said, not really a top 10 driver. Clement spun him. Actually, it was Moffat's fault. He wasn't clear. Barry can put on one lap old tires. Guess the loose wheel didn't damage those. Okay, not bad. Maybe it wasn't a loose wheel after all. Who knows? Burton manually put on lug nuts. They didn't have time to glue on because they were running out of tires. That would lead to a slow pit stop. So the thing is, you remember they're going through all these cautions. Uh, they only had three sets of tires, which I think seems pretty crazy. That can't be right. Uh, maybe they'll have more tires. If there aren't very many tires, 
then expect chaos. We'll wait and see. I don't know if we'll get the notes on that. Jones fast on the restart, gets to the lead. Jones gets loose in the PJ1. Uh, and Cedric moves him. Jones tire damage pushed into the wall by Santino Ferrucci, as I mentioned. It's all up here, folks. And PJ1 still the racing line. Brandon Brown looking good. Snyder gets into the wall because of Brandon Brown. AJ turns Brandon Jones. Uh, Buford battling, driving hard. He's in 11th. That's pretty nice, but he doesn't get it to finish, though. Then he overdrives the turn, and he gets into the wall. Yaley looking fast in the Rick Ware car, up as high as ninth place. Cindric pulling away at 13 to go. LeBay gets into the wall. Probably got spun, is what the notes say. All guy are good on the restart as position. Jeb Burton tries to go five wide. I remember that. Jeb Burton goes Leroy Jenkins at the end, trying to make something happen. Um, it's the Xfinity Series. Names are not made here. Dreams are crushed here. People crush cars chasing dreams here. They do stupid things that don't even work in video games. And they don't apologize. I don't apologize. It's just good hard racing. No, it's stupid racing. Going five wide on the restart, trying to make something stick. Not only do you ruin your day, but you're going to ruin someone else. Does not stick. He pushes tight, shoves Hemrick into the wall, and then sends Haley into the wall. Parson runs into Colby Howard. They keep going. And Howard gets a decent finish, 20th. Parsons, I don't think so. I think Parsons might be around top 20 as well. Augar hits the wall coming out of four, got into the marbles. I mean, this, go back and watch last. I mean, it's just chaos everywhere. Then that Phoenix race. Uh, yeah, so that was pretty wild. Now, the PJ1, at the end, you forget that it was even there because they tore up so many cars. Then I'll do it here for the Fantasy NASCAR podcast. Thanks for joining me. I don't know if this was helpful or not. Helpful for me, kind of reviewing the race, looking at stuff, expecting chaos, 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 carnage, carnage, carnage. This weekend, Sunday, 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 at Phoenix Raceway, uh, Saturday actually, watch the young Xfinity Rebels destroy their dad's cars and destroy their double reverse mortgage and the family fortune evaporates in turn four on the PJ1 at Phoenix Raceway. If you enjoyed the Fantasy NASCAR podcast today, please go to racefortheprize.com. And when you go to racefortheprize.com, click on the red button, the box at the right with the helmet, and that will take you to patreon.com slash Brandon Cruz DFS. And there you can click the button and you can support this podcast. You can support Brandon's podcast and the videos and the analysis and the information and in supporting and saying Thank you, partner. You will gain access to the spreadsheets and the optimizers and the mass entry tools and the notes and all the information and all this picks and everything that we do. You will have access to it. There's plenty more on the way. So please go to raceforthepride.com. Do that. As always, stop saying as always. Like the video. Like, 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 like. Subscribe. Leave your feedback. Please make it worthwhile. Please make your constructive criticism worthwhile. Please. Hey, and also some positive feedback would be great. Some praise would be great. When people come to the YouTube page and they just see negative comments and people with very poor grammar berating these videos, it doesn't really help with the algorithm. It doesn't help with the visuals. It doesn't look good. If I go to a YouTube video and the only comment is someone who cannot spell the word your, sorry, Ken, but you got to learn how to spell your. 
It's Y-O-U-R or it's Y-U apostrophe R-E. It is under no circumstances U-R-E. Your grammar, your spelling is atrocious. And uh, it's just bad, man, man. It's bad. And I, it's so bad that I have trouble reading it. And you should work on that. And that's, look, look if you're going to give me feedback and constructive criticism, then please let me say to you that on this earth with other human beings, we have to be able to communicate. And through communication, or, or the way that we communicate is through language. And you don't really understand language. And so that makes it hard to communicate. And that will separate, that will distance yourself from other human beings on this planet. And I don't mean to be condescending. And I understand that the education system, believe me, right? If you go to my blog, The Constrained Vision, I know all about the education system, its strengths and its many, many weaknesses. And if it failed you, I apologize. But the reality, the truth that I can tell you right now in this moment is that it's not our education system to educate you. Wait, what? Wait, what? No, it is not. And now most people in this country believe that it is up to the public schools and our education system to educate students and humans. But... If you have any semblance of an actual education, you'll know that most of your education is based on the individual. It it comes from yourself. Most of what you have learned has come from you teaching yourself and having the motivation to teach yourself, having the desire to improve every single day. So uh, we can't really blame the education system for your inability to spell the word your or your want to spell the word your correctly. You won't need to want it, and you need to start doing it. And the easiest way, I mean, it's really not that hard, just read more. Just read more. You can read more if you go to my blog at The Constrained Vision, fiction, nonfiction, essays, whatever, and do that. So, hey, if you're going to give me constructive feedback and criticism, then I think it's, that's okay there. But I would really like some positive vibes in the chat, because if I go to a YouTube channel and I see nothing but negative, really wonky written comments, Give some positive feedback. Throw in some, hey, awesome video, cool video, sweet video, dude. Two thumbs up. Great. Yay. I mean, even if you just type yay and it's like five A's and seven H's, but that's not spelled correctly. That's okay. That's okay for internet lexicon to say, yay. I get that. That one's okay. That that works. It's okay. All of those work. I will accept poor grammar. If it's positive, I will accept, I don't block anybody anyway on there. I let all the comments go and I don't mind the constructive feedback and the criticism, but we can get some positive vibes going there on the YouTube page. Subscribe, like, share, raceforthepriz.com, patreon.com slash Brandon Cruz DFS. It's Phoenix weekend. Let's get this thing going. I, Pierce Teacher, will become the most viewed fantasy NASCAR analyst. I, Pierce Dietrich, will become the most viewed fantasy NASCAR analyst. I, Pierce Dietrich, will be a top-selling Amazon author. Let's do it. Let's get it going. Get excited for Phoenix. Get excited for life. Happy Friday. I hope everything is going well for all of you out there. Let's trip the lights fantastic. Woo!